Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology. Again, where we take theology and bring it to the street. So this is the second part of our sermon that we started last week, the Adikad, the binding of Isaac. Again, I hope this has been an encouragement and also a challenge for you. So with no further ado, part two of the binding of Isaac. Now they're going to the appointed place by God, the meeting place that God has designated. Let us pause just for a minute. Here's my question. Me first. Is there anything in this life more important to you than God? That's the question. Be careful how we answer so quickly. Just think about this. Is there anything in this life That's more important to you than God. That's a serious question. Because that's the question that's being asked of Abraham. Is there anything in this life that's more important than God? Let's let the Old Testament breathe on its own. In fact, this is the first time the word love appears in the Bible. The first time. And notice what the love, notice when the first time that love appears in the Bible, who's the love for? The son, the human. Dum-de-dum-dum. Now this is really, really important. The first time that love appears in the Bible, it's the son whom you love. There's a problem there. That's a problem. A serious problem. This, Dana, I love Dana, man. Dana. God doesn't start Abraham here. Sanctification. This is where he's going to end. And when the narrator, the first word love in the Bible is for the human, there's an issue. There's a problem. Because... Sometimes we love more than what we can see, than one who, who, who we can't see. And if anybody wants to be holier than thou and say, no, I got this perfect. No, no, it's... Well, you know what? I have... We all have issues with that. This is not easy for Abraham. It's not easy for Glinda. And it's not easy for Dominic. Let's let the Old Testament breathe and speak on its own. Because this is serious stuff. 
You would figure, you know, this is the Bible. The first time that love is mentioned in the Bible, it's got to be a love to God. Because the question posed by Coravilla is deafening. Was Abraham's love for Isaac so strong that his love for God had diminished? The text begs loyalty. Where does our loyalty lie? May I say in God or family, if I could throw that out there, the text allows me to say that. Veronica, does it not? The text can allow me to say that. Would love for the human subvert love for the divine? This is the crux of this text. And basically, the only son that you love, Abraham, do you love him more than me? Verse 16 is pivotal. In fact, in verse 2, God says, Sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. But look at verse 16. What's missing? There's no love there. It's your son, your only son, because now you've proven that you love me more. See, it's not there anymore. See, you've got to be a good reader of the text. It's the son that you love, but in 16, the love is not there anymore. Your son, your only son, but no more whom you love. can't serve two masters this is tough stuff this is this is this is brass tacks very important that we read narrative rightly the church father origin said this listen to these two quotes this is one by origin one by Wenham now listen to this Origin, very old church father. For Abraham loved Isaac, his son, as the text says, but now he placed the love of God before the love of the flesh. Wenham says God's test had put Abraham on the rack, yet torn between his love for his son and his devotion to God, he emerged victorious with his son intact and his faithful obedience to God first and foremost. challenging stuff. Let me say this. Jesus said, if one loves mother or father more than me, he is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter is more than me is not worthy of me. Allegiance to God is what this text is teaching. These are hard lessons, challenging lessons. At the end of Abraham's life, he realized where his security lie. Now, please remember, this is a journey. We grow in the grace and knowledge of who God is. None of this is easy, but God takes his time with us. Dana, we couldn't make this up in a bet. I wrote the sermon two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. And today we spoke about sanctification and how God brings us to a point where, where, where he doesn't start here. But he ends here with Abraham. Because sometimes we lose focus who our first love is. In fact, in, in, in our Wednesday night Bible study, Ephesus had lost the love they had at first. We have mentioned on many occasions that Abraham's faults are not highlighted by the divine author because that's not his focus. His focus is the end game. The game where Abraham would finally realize that the only love that you have to have in this life is me. 
Not even your son. Gene, that's hard stuff. See, I, I want to challenge me first. This stuff is not easy because we can see our wives. We can see our children. We can see our grandchildren. We love them. We hug them. We, we worship them. Oh, did I say that? I didn't say that, did I? Again, challenging. Good stuff. Charlie, challenging stuff. Right? I mean, this is real stuff. I mean, Abraham is no puppet. He's no robot. It was the shaping of Abraham to conform to the mindset of God. Basically, who is first in your life? The son that you love or the God that you love? There can be no rivals. That's the question here. In fact, Isaac, who's about 18 years old, is cognizant of what's going on. He realizes there's something missing. That's a sacrifice. But Abraham assures him that God will provide. So here we have game, set, match. Then I mentioned early in verse 13. Abraham lifts his eyes, saw the substitute. It's not a lamb. It's a ram. He had lifted his eyes to the place where death would come. Now he lifts his eyes where life would be accomplished. What a picture. When God becomes first in your life. You see, the, the lifting up. Let me make sure I can lift up my eyes as I'm walking down, right? The, the narrative, the lifting up of the eyes. He saw the hill of death. Now the lifting up of the eyes. When he realizes God is first, he sees life. He sees the ram in the thick. What a picture! What a picture! And so, highlight, Miss Carolyn, lifting up of the eyes, that's an important narrative hint. And then again, you know, he lifts up his eyes, he's lifting up his eyes, and he sees the place of death. And now he lifts up his eyes and he sees life. You can't make this stuff up in a bet, man. You just can't. Ashley, it makes our, right, we're think, we, be, this makes us think. It starts making us think, who's really first in our life? Mark, this is no, this is no, this, this is tough stuff. But God took his time with Abraham. He didn't rush him. This is not like factory stuff. This stuff takes time. This is real live shaping. The, the potter taking the clay and shaping and molding and cutting and, and getting you, Sue, to a point in, in your life where you say, it's only God whom I love. And there's no rival. There can be no rival. I knew when I got to this section of scripture how hard it would be to preach because it's a tough text. It's a challenging text. He lifted up his eyes to the place where death would come and now he lifts his eyes where life would be accomplished. What a picture when God becomes first in one's life. I mean, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The hill of death turns into the hill of life because of Abraham's obedience. And the second time the angel of Yahweh speaks, he knows that God is loved more than his own son, and he blesses Abraham. 
stars of the sky, the sands of the sea, means the number of God's people will be numerous, and the enemy cities will not prevail, as Kovilla depicts obedience results in reward. And he says the binding of Isaac was in reality a demonstration of, of love for God over against anything that advanced a rival claim to that love, even his own son. The question looms large for us today, do we have rival loves? As we know and as mentioned, we cannot serve two masters. Is our family a rival love? It's a good question. In this case, it was Isaac. But not anymore. Abraham learned his most important lesson at the end of his life. There's no rival loves when it comes to God. But there's much more. There's a little more in this text. Just a little more. That's, I think, the... Something that... Uh, let, me, let me get there. We don't want to miss it. Look at, and Corvilla makes this point. Look at verses 6 and 8. Let me, let me just look at them again. Let me, let me read them if I can. You have to worry put them up. Then Abraham took the word, and the, the wood, the word, the wood and the burnt offering and put it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together, walked on together. In verse 8, same thing. So the two of them walked on together. Abraham in verse 5 said this. He says, let me and my son go and worship and we'll return back to you. But remember when he said that, the writer tells us that was the son whom he what? Loves. When he realizes... In his realization, in his, may I use it, sanctification, let me use that if I may, New Testament word, but we have the Old Testament breathe on its own. As he realizes that God is his first love, watch what happens in verse 19. Very, very interesting. Cavilla makes a great point here. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and walked together. Who's missing? Where's Isaac? Where's Isaac? He's alive. Do you know that Isaac and Abraham are never seen together again? In the text, until Abraham dies and Isaac goes to his grave. Now, he loved his son, for sure. But the narrator, now we don't know. I, mean, I can't tell you that they never had a meal. But, but I'm only going by what the text says. When he went back, he did not go back with his son. Only the realization that God 
was now first in his life. The walk together. I've never seen that before. But it makes perfect sense to the narrative, to what the narrative is teaching us. Because the walk together is a a narrative hint, right? So the two of them walk together. So the two of them walk together. In 19, Abraham returned to his young man and they arose and walked together. Praise God. Praise God that Abraham got it. That's all. He loved his son. He was going to take care of it. That's not the point. The text depicts that Abraham returned to his young men. He walked together with them with no mention of Isaac. Abraham left Isaac behind showing there is no more rival love. It's just, it's just a, it's the way to read narrative. It's the way to understand. Now, people, now we know the narrative will never see, in the narrative we'll never see Isaac and Abraham together again until Abraham dies and Isaac is going to go to bury him. We know that. Now, I'm not going to tell you they didn't have that. That's not the point. The point is we have to let the Old Testament and the narrative breathe on its own. It's a great lesson for us. It's a great lesson for me. Who's the most important person in your life? That's the question. That's the the, the question. And again, this don't start out, Charlie. Don't start like this. Before we get to our New Testament control, we must be thankful to walk through the shaping of Abraham and his God, who was the true potter, and Abraham the clay. But the story does not end with Abraham. Now the next generation is introduced in 20 and 24. As the name Rebekah surfaces, who eventually will marry who? Isaac. Isaac's part of the story, but not this story. See, this is the shaping of Abraham. This is the shaping of Charlie. This is the shaping of Harlan, of Dana, of Ashley. This is the shaping process of Veronica. Isaac's going to have his part in, in the narrative, but this is Abraham's part. He had to be brought to a point that he had no rival loves. Abraham is known as the father of our faith because he did not put anything before God at the end of his life. It was God and God alone. Isaac was not a rival love. It was Abraham's covenant loyalty, knowing that the promises of God are yes and amen. The question was to Abraham, do you love me, God, more than Isaac? The answer resounding yes and amen, but it was not easy. Now we've read... Some of the divided loyalties concerning Abraham along the way in our studies of Genesis. And we ascertain that God was shaping Abraham. But remember I told you, we need to look through the window of the Old Testament. Not, not let, in other words, the reflection, let me say it better, the reflection of the Old Testament. Was there somebody... In the New Testament, that we can relate to this. 
See, or else, then we're not, connect, we're not connecting narrative rightly. So my question, I want to be able to look at this and know that what we're saying is correct. And how I'm going to do that, I'm going to go to the writers of the New Testament to confirm what we just spoke about. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Because that's why we can turn around and say, wait a minute, we got something here. Terry? So we got to go. See, I want to get a reflection here. I, we've already looked at this Old Testament narrative, and I believe we looked at it the way the writer wants us to look at it. But then I want to go one step further, and I want to say to myself, does this come up? Again, because I want it now to relate to Ron and Carolyn and Dominic, because we can turn around like some churches today and say, well, that's the Old Testament. But I want to reflect off that because I read the Old Testament and and I think the language helps us. So we kind of got this. But go to the, okay, baton, and I'll mention this. So where's the baton being passed now? From Abraham to who? Isaac gets the baton now, right? It's like this relay race, right? So that's another, and I'll talk about that, that's another narrative hint. Because now, eventually Abraham's got two more jobs to do after this. He's got to bury his wife. And then he's got to find a wife for. I mean, Abraham. This is. I mean, he's got to bury his wife, and he's not there when he buries his wife. That's a sin. That's not, that was the hardest sermon for me to write. Was next week's. I. I I'm telling you, it just was. I'm a sappy dude, man. I'm. T- I'm Italian. I. Cr- I cry easy. I mean, I. I do. I. You know, and 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 and, and I, I shouldn't. I cry my heart easy. But but maybe not. I'm serious. But chapter 23 of Genesis was a tough sermon for me to write. Because Abraham wasn't there when his wife died and it killed him. It's not easy for him. I'm way ahead of myself. I'm not going to go to Genesis 23 right now. But I'm going to go to John. I'm going to go to John for a second. And I want to get a reflection I need a reflection, Terry. I need a reflection. Here. Three verses. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. What we read here is probing questions by Christ. Peter, do you love me more than these? He's asking Peter, do you love me more than your brothers? Do you love me more than your wife? Do you love me more than your wife? Do you love me more than these brothers that you can see 
with you. This is the same question, basically, that is asked of Abraham about his son Isaac. Again, we can only serve one master. Peter tells Jesus, you know I love you, verse 15. Now, this is a similar context of our Old Testament text, and that is the baton is going to be passed from Abraham to Isaac after Abraham's confession, but now the baton's going to be passed from Jesus to the church. Jesus, right? Peter is the rock, is the, the confession that the church is built on. So, we now are asked the same question. Do you love me more than anything, Ron? More than these? Do you love me more than your wife, your husband, your children? And we'll read just a couple of more things to say here. Jesus himself will be moving on to his heavenly home as the Lord here is passing the baton because God in Christ would never be left without a witness who must put Christ first. In the Abraham text, after Abraham's obedience, the next generation is introduced. And here, after Peter's confession and restoration, Peter is being shaped for the next generation of believers, the church. Again, Christ passes on the message of the gospel from one generation to the next. And then, as we know, as we read in First and Second Peter, Peter continues to pass on that message. You know, feed my land, shepherd my sheep, and tend my sheep. Why is, it, why is that mentioned? We, why, is, why is Christ asking Peter to confess him and his love for him three times. He's canceling out the denials, right, Glinda? Right, didn't G, G, right, Glinda? Right, Miss Glinda? I mean, Peter denied Christ how many times? Three. How many times did he affirm his love? Three. Restoration, Miss Ashley. Thank God for restoration. Peter is restored. Abraham is restored. God is a restoring God. And he takes his time under the rubric of sanctification. He doesn't do it. He doesn't. He knows we are buckets of mud. He knows we are jars of clay. He knows that he needs to take his time with us. We're not that smart, Gene. But at the end of the day, when it was time for Abraham to pass the baton, God, by his grace, through his spirit, gave him the power to do so. Even though Peter denied Christ three times at the end of his life, through the Spirit, he allowed Peter to say, I love you more than these. You couldn't tell four chapters before of Peter loved. Sanctification. Grace and knowledge of who Christ is as we grow. This is a blessing. This is, this is, I, I, I know I'm, a, I'm Italian, I'm a little dramatic, the way I could, but this is a blessing because God empowers you to do this. 
You can't do this on your own. This is an empowerment that God has given His people through the Spirit. Challenging, yes, but doable in the Spirit, yes, too. You see, Peter's a little frustrated. He wasn't that frustrated when he denied him three times, right? So, of course you know I love you more than these. Feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Both of them at times. Abraham, like Peter, started off on their walks with the Lord with kind of sea lakes. They were not sturdy at times, shaky at best, like all of us. But both were reinstated because God's grace and mercy towards his people. They both at times capitulated with the culture, even forgetting where they have come from, doing things in their own strength. This is the legacy of God's people, where ones who have the hidden treasures and jars of clay, so the power is of God, not of ourselves. Let this be an encouragement to you, because the Bible depicts for consider your calling. Brothers, not many of you are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God chose the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. Praise God. We're fools for Christ. So what? Who cares? Our job is to feed his sheep Shepherd his sheep. In Jesus' name. You know, no more papers. That's because my memory, I can't, I got to just look at some stuff or else I don't remember anymore. Um, old age, Charlie, you don't know nothing about old age, man. It comes. But I wanted this to really be an encouragement to you because at the end of the day, God's people are going to win in the end. Where it's going to take to the ninth inning, maybe even some extra innings, right? But Mark, in the end, God's people are going to win. Praise God for that. I'm serious. We get shaped and, and you know, we get molded and sometimes... You know, I, I, was it in prison? I don't know. I think it was. I think I had pottery class when I was in prison. I don't remember. My, most of my life was in prison. So, but I remember it was really fun doing that, right? You know, it was all that squishy stuff and then you can mold it and then you put it in the kiln. Yeah, it was in prison. I think it was in Leavenworth. We used to have a pottery class. Imagine this. They give, Gene, don't even, Gene will be saying, how can they let them inmates? You have to see how mean Gene is, man. When I talk about being a bar, if I was them, I'd lock you up and never let you out. I said, take it easy, man. What the heck? Gene and Nikki are leaving for a few weeks, so I've got to get on them a little bit. That's my last peanut butter burrito I get in there for a while. He brings me a peanut butter burrito every, every him and Nikki make it for me every morning. Um, are you going to send them by mail, Nikki? She says, no. But Gene, man, when I talk to Gene about prison, he's like, no, I won't even let you guys out. I says, well, take it easy. You should have been a warden. Never mind working the, uh, the board over there. I love that dude, though. I'm going to mess up. Um, thank God he takes his time with us. 
thank God that he's the potter. And sometimes he's got to take that clay and he's got to reshape it and mold it. But at the end of the day, he's going to put it in that kiln. And you know how that stuff, I can't believe how beautiful, right? You ever see how that comes out, right? You know, we, we, when, after it comes out, I mean, it looks all muddy and your fingers are all dirty and, and right, it gets it under your nails. I hate that, right? And, you know, and, and then you put it in that system or whatever it is, and then you go get it the next day and you say, wow, I made that? That's what he does with us, man. He prods us. He shapes us. He takes us sometimes. And you gotta, he says, I gotta take Miss Ashley, but she's gotta get this right here. And, and, and finally you come out of that kiln and you say, we become trophies of God's grace. What a picture. What an encouragement. This is Pastor Dominic Romaldi with Street Talk Theology. I hope you was encouraged and challenged by the second part of the sermon on the Adika, the binding of Isaac. Uh, so may God bless and keep you. And next week we'll have uh, Pastor Michael Teddy with a question and answer. So until then, may God bless and keep all of you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.